0: Um, Welcome again to our uh, Mississauga Gospel Assembly Church streaming uh, Sunday morning and it's um, 10 o'clock, June the 21st. Uh, We're glad that you can join us this morning. A lot of stuff to say about Father's Day, but we're not going to say all of that today. Happy Father's Day to you, and I think the best father of all time is the Heavenly Father that we have got, God the Father. And I like uh, the scriptures um, referring to him as God the Father. Um, and so we want to just get our hearts together as we uh, get into this service today. Amen. Heavenly father.
1: Heavenly Father, we appreciate you. We love you, adore you, and bow down before you. Heavenly Father, we appreciate you. Oh, blessed Lord, bless the Lord. Heavenly Father, we appreciate You. Heavenly Father, we appreciate You. We love You, adore You, and bow down before You. Heavenly Appreciate you, Heavenly Father. We appreciate you. We love you, adore you, and bow down before you, Heavenly Father. Father, we appreciate you. Oh, we love you, adore you, and bow down before you. Heavenly Father, we appreciate you. Oh, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless
0: the Lord. Praise God. Amen. <clears throat> amen. 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 It's um, one of my favorite songs, and someone says, Which isn't your favorite song? Well, I like them all. Uh, Every one is my favorite. depends on what part of the day I'm singing. But God has been good. And I know today is Father's Day and um, a celebration that started in the United States. Um, many years ago, but today I know it's important to celebrate Father and Father's Day, but next year we'll have Father's Day again, and so I can talk about that next year. But today um, at 11 o'clock Des Moines time, which is 12 o'clock Canada time, uh, there'll be a funeral service for Sister June Goodwin. And I thought today I have a lesson all prepared here. Uh, To continue from yesterday and I wish we could get into that before the service comes to an end. But you know the Bible says when the Lord ascended on high he gave gifts unto men and we know what they were apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists. And it seems like the early church and especially in Paul's ministry Paul was not seemingly married and so he never had a wife. But every pastor pastoring since the early church got started uh, had, w- had a wife. Every pastor, each pastor had a wife. And that is why uh, when Paul is writing to, the, to Timothy, he said, a bishop must be the husband of one wife. And over the years, there have been all kinds of speculations as to what is the woman's role In a church. I'm not here to debate that I'm here to speak from experience that the pastor's wife is an important element in the church a pastor's wife might not be in the forefront because the pastor stands there tall. He is the pastor. Uh, I don't believe the woman is the pastor, but I believe uh, the woman is the pastor's wife that is there to support him and to strengthen him. And when he has a problem, for example, if I have a problem, I don't have a pastor alive today that I can speak to. I'm a pastorless pastor. Uh, there was a time I had a man of God, and those were good days when the Lord brought me in, and there were many men that embraced my life uh, early in the stages when I was and just got saved at twelve years old. I had a pastor. He was a very godly man. He was not married at that time, so I can't speak of his wife, but um, as we head on through the years in 1975, God brought me into the United States and I encountered a man of God, Brother Lloyd Goodwin, who became my pastor. I remember the very first day I entered into his office. His wife was not there, but he was there. And He looked at me through very strong piercing eyes. I remember the shirt I had on I remember Chandri and Nadine. Nadine was a baby a uh, little over three years uh, when we went in there and uh, this man of God met me and since then he has become my pastor and Brother Goodwin's wife sister June Goodwin who is Uh, to be put away today, held a very important part in our lives. And for many, many years she stood alongside her husband and uh, it's not easy to deal with a minister, a strong man of God that's in the ministry because in spite of his human flaws a pastor's wife must be able to not accommodate but to go beyond his human weaknesses and flaws his impatience, his lack of of tolerance and all of that. And she would have to stand with him in the ministry. Few women are able to do that. I know a lot of women left their husbands because they were strong pastors. And a woman uh, has that position. And so a pastor's wife, a true pastor's wife, has a very honorable position in the ministry. And when that pastor is alive, she's there to support him in prayer and in weaknesses and strength. Uh, She prepares his meals and she gets things organized around him that he's not stressed out with the necessities of life. Well, I'm here to tell you, Sister June fulfilled all of that. She was a wonderful lady. And there are stories I could tell, but one crossed my mind as I'm talking to you here. Every year in the month of July, in the early days, it was used to be October and then we shift uh, our meeting over to July, uh, the weekend, holiday weekend in July. And every year we will pick brother and sister Goodwin up at the airport, uh, take them to their hotel uh, in Toronto and then come back and then that Friday night we'll go with them for dinner. Well, I remember a funny story about Sister June. And Brother Goodwin, uh, one day I was taking them, and this was, I think, the year that he died. Uh, we're heading down to Toronto, and after coming to Canada for many years, over 10, 15 years for our meeting, uh, we're driving down, and as I'm passing, going right about entering in Toronto, and we're looking at the lake, he looks at me and says, Brother Singh, what, is, what name is this lake? And then Sister June says, Lloyd, every year you ask him the same question and he gives you the same answer. Well, that was pretty good I said Lake Ontario, sir. He says all. Oh. And he knows that, but he likes to talk. And Sister June has been by his side all these years and we appreciate all her efforts, uh, all the time she has been with him and we have accompanied her. Even uh, after his passing, and you know, when a pastor passes off the scene, pastor's wife no longer is pastor's wife. And uh, when she leaves that limelight, uh, you'll find that some people would try to sway her into making decisions. And she would have the, the decisions pro and con against uh, making, uh, pleasing the Lord in these areas. But a pastor's wife is no longer a pastor's wife when a pastor dies, and you would not imagine unless you are a pastor's wife and your husband died. You would not understand the trepidation and the trauma and the loss and the hurt you feel because from the position of authority, you're reduced to just being a Sister June in the church. And people look at you and, you know, in the process, God is perfecting the pastor's wife. And so he will not bring wonderful situations as she closes, out, closes out her years. Uh, he'll bring, bring negative things in her life. She'll make decisions that are sometimes right and sometimes wrong. But she has been the pastor's wife. And I feel that pastor's wife should be reverenced until the time of their death. They're not gonna be pastor's wife, but just like a president is honored. somebody says, first lady of the church, that's one term I don't believe in, and I'll probably never use it in our church. But the pastor's wife is the term I'd like to use, and that is what Sister June was. And today, I know I'm on the internet, but I'd like to say how much we appreciate her as a family. And as a church, we appreciate the sacrifice that she has made. And I wish I was at the funeral today. And that is why I'll be disappointed in every man who had the privilege and the opportunity to go to that funeral that has forgotten who his teacher was and who his great man in the doctrine was. And time changes people. And as individuals grow and become independent, they tend to forget the path that they have traveled on. I pray that God would help me not to come to the place of ever forgetting the path I have trodden on over these years. And uh, today I'll make a statement I've never said before in pulpit. But you know, when I came out of Pentecost and I came into the body of Christ, I came into Gospel Assembly Church. I had this ridiculous thing that was taught to me that you look back there and call every organization out there Babylon. Assemblies of God, Babylon. Full Gospel Fellowship, Babylon. Uh, Church of God, Babylon. Well, you know, I've come to the place I quit doing that because I'm not sure if they've got more of Babylon in them than I have. Babylon is a spirit and it's in the world. And I would not like to curse the bridges I crossed on to bring me to where I am today. And I will never reduce Brother Goodwin from being a great man in my life and Sister June for being the pastor's wife in those days. He was my pastor. When he died, I was left without a pastor, up to this day. When she dies, the pastor's wife is no longer there, up to this day. And I'm glad that I was able to counsel her on a few occasions, Uh, because before, when Brother Goodwin died, she had a dream. And she dreamt that Brother Goodwin told her that June, he said, June, any time you've got to make a decision, talk to Brother Singh. And to me, that was honorable. And, uh, you know, this, this was a part of my life. They make up the history of my life. And today, I regret with my heart that I'm not there at the funeral for Sister June. And I extend my sympathy and my uh, condolences from myself and the church here in Mississauga to everyone in the body of Christ that Brother Goodwin and Sister June affected their lives positively. I ac- Please accept our sympathy. <clears throat> Yesterday, we had a beautiful lesson and time has always been against me and so in, in yesterday's lesson, uh, we looked at a beautiful scripture in Psalms 51 after we sung a song that says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And it was from Psalms 51, and i like to touch that a little more as we move on into the service today. <clears throat> David, another remarkable man in, that I appreciate, he's not been in my life, but this Bible has a lot of champions. I don't turn on my television and look for champions. I open my Bible and look for champions. And when, the, if this Bible was written with only perfect men uh, that had no flaws, it might include Abel and maybe Nathaniel. And then we don't have much. If the, the story was written, the Bible story was written about perfect men apart from Jesus, we'll have five pages and then nothing more to read about. Because Abel, not even half a page, and that's it. Nathaniel, an Israelite in whom there was no God, that's it. But I'm glad there was a man like David. I'm glad there was a man like Abraham. I'm glad that I have this Bible filled with imperfect men that sought out perfection. And here was a man that fell more times than I could even count if david was alive today some person in his past would have him sued and taken to court and exposed uh, for his criminal acts like when he went out and circumcised 200 philistines when he went to war and eliminated the enemies of god Uh, people would have him taken to court because he had more than one wife Uh, his flaws highlighted but you remember what i told you yesterday there are two kinds of people in the world, basically, and this is from this perspective, uh, some are like the larks that go up into the heavens and they look at the landscape and they see the, the beauty of nature. The other set are like vultures. They look at your life and all they can try to find is your filth, your garbage, your dirt, any dead flesh. Uh, they would try to find that. Uh, It is good if you bypass all the evil in someone and see the good. Your life would be a better day. Uh, Your day would be a better day, your life would be a better life if you start to recognize the good in individuals. Well, this Bible gives me hope because it takes men that were uh, from the dunghill, like Hannah said last in yesterday's scripture, from the dunghill and God transformed their life ...and made pillars of the coming kingdom of men whom the world would have condemned at one time. Abraham, a liar. God made him the father of faith. David, a bloody man, could not even qualify to build a temple. And God made him. Uh, his, God's throne is named after David. It's called the throne of David. Well, not to get into whole biblical history, but here in Psalms 51... Uh, There are a few things, we have gone into this psalm yesterday, but there are a few things I want you to watch with me. And if you have your little note, uh, make note of this. Verse 1, David said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, According unto the multitude of thy mercies, blot out. Number one thought, blot out my transgressions. And I told you yesterday, I need more than a blotting out of my transgressions. But he didn't stop there. He said, "Blot out my transgressions." And then he said in verse two, "Wash me, blot out, then wash me." He says, uh, "Thoroughly uh, from mine iniquity, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity." And then he said the third thing. He says, "And cleanse me, cleanse me, blot out, wash me, and cleanse me." His continuous plea. For a stronger working of God to eradicate and eliminate that evil that resided in his heart. And then as you move them further on in that chapter, he says, behold, verse 6, thou desirest truth in the inner parts. He says, there's something that you want to see, not because of an outward show, because I could dress with a suit on, put on a necktie, come here and preach to you, and I myself am lost. He said, God, when you look, you look not on the outward appearance, but you look at the heart. And so today, he said in Psalms, uh, verse 6, 51, verse 6, he says, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inner parts, in the hidden part. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom, not in my head only, but in my heart. And what's in my heart will direct my steps. And then he says here, and this is the fourth word I'm liking, I'm hoping to use here today. And so we have blot out, we have wash me, we have cleanse me. And then the fourth word is purge me. Uh, Purging, when we were small, we did purging. A particular kind of laxative and they said this will purge your system from the, the poisonous fluids and all of this that's not needed in your body. And he said purge me. Uh, he says with hyssop and i shall be clean and then he goes on wash me and i shall be whiter than snow and then he says create in me a clean heart and when all of this process is done the result is a clean heart and uh right and renew a steadfast spirit within me don't make me today in church and tomorrow i'm out of church Today I'm faithful, and next day, see the margin says instead of right spirits, it says steadfast spirit, God. And so when I'm thinking of this in the church, this is where a process is being done. And over here in in Paul's writing to the church of um, uh, church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians in chapter seven, Paul is making a statement here in Second Corinthians chapter seven. He admonishes the church at Corinth. And ever so often Paul is trying to save and salvage this church. I'm not sure how much he was able to accomplish this. But he tells the same here in chapter 7 and verse 1 of 2 Corinthians. He says, having therefore these promises, we know God has promised us. He has promised us the kingdom. He has promised us the resurrection. He has promised us, you know, life that will continue, continuously be there. He says, because God has given us these promises, what should we do? Say grace, 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 and forget that it's the God that demands uh, beyond his grace what he wants from us. And He says, you're having therefore these promises, dearly beloved. Paul says, let us cleanse ourselves. In spite of asking God to do this work in my life, I need to make an effort in myself to cleanse myself from all these filthiness of the flesh. Hold your finger in 2 Corinthians, the uh, 7th chapter, and turn over with me to Colossians, uh, to the little epistle of Paul to the church at Colossae. And uh, he says here in Colossians, he said here in verse chapter 3, he says if christ then be, if if he if then be risen with christ seek we are to seek you seek not you will not find there's a lot of human responsibility that we need to depend on and yet at the same time to depend on god for helping us to accomplish this i need to pray such as i never prayed before he says seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set, we are to set. You're to set, I am to set. Your affection, in other words, your heart, your main focus, your your love and appreciation, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. He says, because you're dead. Uh, You're dead, and that is in Christ, and your life is hid with Christ in God. He says in verse 5, so we have seek we have sat and then the verse five it says mortify bring into subjection bring under control Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth not church members your members your mouth your ears your thought pattern your hands mortify let your body be a holy vessel unto the lord Because as you listen to me today, if you violate these things, you'll be guilty of your own transgressions. It tells us we have a responsibility, and that is to bring ourselves in submission to God. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. And what are we to bring in control? We should not allow fornication to take a hold of our members, not fornication, not uncleanness. Uh, and I'm not only thinking on cleanness in physical, in a physical way uh, with COVID-19. The world is conscious, is very conscious about sanitizing everything. Guess what? I got a sanitizer on my desk there for 15 years. Maybe I need to throw it out. I got a new one, but I still want to keep that old one. We believe in sanitizing hands for years. What about shaking hands? The last thing I'd like to do is shake someone's hand. I don't believe in shaking hands. Every time I shake someone's hand, I'm not sure where they're coming from. I ask myself, I wonder who invented handshake? Why can't I say, God bless you, or bump your elbow or something? Uh, Who invented handshake? So I'm glad Corona came along to help us become a little more sanitary minded don't tell me to keep the toilets clean we have been doing that for years i've boasted many years that you can go into our toilet at home and have your lunch we believe in having it clean we believe in sanitizing before COVID ever came on the scene it is our principles when the kids come home from school wash your hands we have done that for years in January this year Before COVID ever came Into operation We had notices put in the entire Church building And little, little sanitizing Containers say Showing the need for sanitizing And cleanliness Now I believe in physical cleanliness I often boast Years now I've been boasting I've got the cleanest hand in Mississauga I've always said that So imagine if your conscious mind is that you've got to clean his hand and you've got to go shake hands, uh, how fast you get back to the sanitizing thing and sanitize it. Because I've stood in public places and see people run into the bathroom, come out back without even turning the sink on. I take a tissue to hold the, the knob for the faucet. So when it comes to physical cleanliness, it's not something new among us. But I wish my mind could be sanitized. I wish my thoughts could be sanitized. I wish the, 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 the kind of judgment I make could be sanitized. Well, it could be. We should cleanse ourselves from all filthiness. We should bring our members in submission to God. And so Paul says here in chapter verse 5, of uh, Colossians, he said, "Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth: fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry." Idolatry. So there is a lot of responsibility placed on us. So back here in Second Corinthians, chapter seven, Paul is writing here to the church at Corinth. He says, "Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved." Let us cleanse ourselves, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh. It was okay for David to pray, oh God, purge me with hyssop, purge me, purge me, and I shall be whiter than snow. But to presumptuously go back after God has purged you into the same root, that's not good. Then you need a special cleansing again. You need you have crucified you have violated the principle you need to hit the altar once again and ask god to forgive you and that is why the pattern prayer of jesus said forgive me this day as i forgive those that trespass against me please forgive me this day and paul went on here he says here uh, all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of god perfecting holiness you know It is one thing to perfect the painting. It is another thing to perfect the cleaning of your house. My house is clean to perfection. It's one thing to get a hairstyle that's perfect. It's another thing to perfect holiness. How about putting holiness as a goal in front of you and strive to perfect holiness in your life? Holiness in the way you think. Holiness in what you say. Holiness in how you conduct yourself. Holiness in how you operate on a day-by-day basis. Holiness on what you watch on television. Holiness on what you read. Holiness in the way you judge individuals. Perfecting holiness covers all of these areas. Now you can listen to me today. Go back to the same old rut. And you cannot... to god well i never heard about that see jesus in john 17 uh, makes a statement in john 15 sorry in the 15th chapter of john jesus is saying here he says i'm the true vine he's referring to a grape a plant he says i am the main vine that main grape plant he says and my father is the vineyard man the the husbandman that takes care of this vineyard. I love the way Jesus saw the relationship between himself and his father. I really love it because it's unlike some people said, I had a Jehovah's Witness come one time and visit me and the man was upset with me because I did not um, you know, accommodate everything he was saying. Uh, very nicely, I was very nice. And uh, he turned to me and he's walking out and he says Now when I'm leaving here you going and need to pray to Jehovah And so I went upstairs in my house and I took out The copy of New World Translation, the Jehovah's Bible I took it out, pulled it out of the shelf and searched for the word Father in the New Testament, where Jesus prayed to Jehovah. In their own translation, in the Jehovah's Witness New World Translation, nowhere in the New Testament anyone prayed to Jehovah. When Jesus prayed, he prayed saying, Our Father. When he spoke to his father in the Gospel of John, he says, My Father. So I don't know what's wrong with these people, why they want to pray to Jehovah and Jesus prayed to his father. So who do you think I pray to? I pray to my father in heaven, in the name of Jesus. I ignore all that these, this big organization say, and you know, they got to do what they got to do. They got a job to do. I've got a job to do. I have a little flock. They got a big flock. I'm talking to my little flock and I say, pray to the father in the name of Jesus. You can actually talk to Jesus sometimes, like Stephen talked to him when he was about to die and he says, Lord Jesus, into your hands I commend my spirit. You can speak to Jesus, you can speak to the Father, but Jesus said, when you pray, speak to the Father in my name and the Father will grant you. And here in John 15, he says, I'm the true vine. My Father is the husbandman. Every branch that is me and you grafted into the true vine Every branch in me that beareth not fruit In other words holiness is not seen The fruit of the spirit is not seen The fruit of the spirit And you hold your finger there I don't want you to always turn to me everywhere I'm going But I'm going to read it He says the fruit of the spirit Love Joy Peace Long suffering Gentleness Goodness Faith Meekness Temperance Now any branch in me that is not bearing fruit. That fruit is not getting children. This fruit is the fruit of the spirit. I'm reading it again. Love. Are you bearing love? The love of God. Joy. Do you have the peace of God that gives you joy and peace? Long suffering. Can someone aggravate you that you can't forgive them? You're not patient. It says gentleness. When you walk around and this nice song is there, you got to act violent and say it's the Holy Ghost. No, the Holy Ghost is gentle. If you're acting violent, you need to be prayed for. But sing, I really don't like you. You're not too Pentecostal. I'm Pentecostal more than you can think. But I'm not a crazy Pentecostal. I'm perfecting holiness gentleness goodness faith meekness and temperance in all things you don't overdo something you're not getting involved in something you become addicted to a little with contentment sometimes is great gain i've got five minutes so move with me here and so back in john jesus says every branch in me that beareth fruit What does the Father do? He purges you. See, the purging process is a continuous process. You get started on the day you accepted Jesus as your Lord, but the purging process continuously purges you because you're bringing forth the fruit. So God wants you to make that fruit bearing perfection, to its perfection. Bring it to perfection. So not you're gentle as long as nobody is rough with you, You're not patient as long there's no one aggravating you. You're not long-suffering because there's nothing to be long-suffering about. But in the midst of hell, you can shine as a light and reflect the grace of God and the fruit of the Spirit. And that is what it means to perfecting holiness. You are perfecting holiness in the sight of God. He says um, uh, that you bring forth much more fruit. Uh, This is important, he says in verse 4 Abide in me and I in you As the branch cannot bear fruit The reason why you cannot accomplish this fruit bearing in your life You got everything else abiding in you Or we got everything else abiding in us Rather than Jesus When Christ is abiding in us By his spirit We will bear fruit Because we'll yield to the spirit of Jesus and produce fruit, over in Second Timothy in chapter two, and I will close with this scripture. Uh, I've got, let's see, eight minutes um, eight minutes to go. So come with me to Second Timothy. Second Timothy, the, uh, the uh, second chapter, and uh, Paul is writing his last letter, and he's describing the church as a great house. And he says here in a great house that in the church there are all kinds of vessels. They're not only vessels of gold and silver, also there's also of wood and earth. I would say in a great house there are vessels of gold and there's silver and there's brass and there is um what you call it, um, a copper. There's all kinds of vessels, different. Every one of us is a different vessel. Now here's the problem. Well, you know, everybody's saying I'm a golden vessel. I'm holding a position in the church. When individuals come to visit you, it's a normal tendency to put away the old cracked up cups and bring out the silverware and a porcelain and a china. Fine china. <clears throat> whether I have co- company or not, whether I have visitors from the States or visitors from India or not, there's one green cup I have. It's cracked in the handle and I hope it could be replaced. One green cup I have and I use that at all time. I don't throw away my all green cup. Well, what you're telling us, brother Singh, I'm telling you that the vessels in the church, whether you sit on the platform as a gold vessel, or you're cleaning the bathroom as an earthen vessel. What is important here is it is to ask the question: Are you a clean vessel? Because you can be a golden vessel full of dirt inside, then give me the earthen vessel that's clean. If I have two cups sitting before me, and one is a a baked clay, which is porcelain or something like that, a little baked clay cup that's sitting in front of me, very insignificant-looking design, and it is not too good. And here's this elegant gold cup sitting next to me. And I look inside, and when I'm looking inside, one has got yesterday's stuff. Guess which one I'll choose? I'll take the clay one because it's clean. And that's how God works. Whether you're a gold vessel holding a good position in the church or a position of authority, if you got dirt in your life, God don't look at you with any respect. He look at the one vessel that's cleaning the washrooms. That's clean. And so Paul says in the great house, in the church, there are all kinds of vessels. Here is what we do in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver and wood and earth some to honor when i get up there with my necktie and my suit on somebody says oh he's there the honorable man is about to speak everybody shh! <laughs> but that honorable vessel can have dirt inside that's no good in the eyes of man we look at the outward appearance god looks at the cleanliness on the inside may god help us to clean the inside and so paul went on here he says some wood and earth some to honor and some to dishonor if a man therefore or a woman therefore do what purge himself or herself from the being dishonorable he shall be a vessel unto honor sanctified And meet for the master's use And prepare unto every good works So whoever you are Whatever your position is The most important thing is not the title you've got It's not the reverend or the doctor Or the degrees after your name It's the cleanliness of the heart, my friend That is important And so what do we do? Paul tells Timothy He says, if a man therefore purge himself you got to do that. You got to stop doing what you're doing that's contrary to God. He says, if a man therefore will purge himself uh, from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor and meet unto, every, unto the master's use and prepare for every good work. So what do you do? Flee also youthful lusts and follow after righteousness. And what do you follow after? Faith. What else? Charity. What else? Peace. With them that call on the Lord Out of a pure heart And he says But foolish and unlearned questions avoid Knowing that all they do is gender strife You know how many questions Were asked on me on the internet I'll tell you quickly about me uh, Before my time runs out I don't like to talk on the internet I use the internet Facebook To preach the gospel And that's it if i'm going through some scriptures in the morning and somebody that sees up halfway around the world and sees i'm on the internet and says hello i don't respond if they do that after three times i block them on messenger i don't know who's that i've got almost 500 Friends on Facebook. Can you imagine 500 people telling me hello and I got to tell him hello and my day is gone because I can't even read my Bible or look at some scriptures. I don't do that kind of stuff. Well, I want to find out where did Cain find his wife? <clears throat> I don't even respond to that. I just ignore that because the Bible says foolish and unlearned questions. Avoid. Because all they do is gender strife. But if somebody says, "Brother, can you please tell me how to accept Christ in my life?" I got you. I'll be on to you, brother. Singh, can you please help me because I need an advice. I've got a problem. I'm on to you. I'm not there to say hello, everybody. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? And that is why on this streaming video that we're doing, listen to me carefully. I told Nadine to stop putting scriptures on because I want people to listen to me. I don't want them to be busy reading scriptures when I am preaching. Get your Bibles, listen to me. So if you're on this streaming thing and when I'm preaching, you're preaching. And while I'm preaching, you're preaching. You're a disturbance. And if you can't say amen or praise God or something simple. And you want to put a sermon while I'm putting sermons We'll block comments Because all I want is not your comment As a matter of fact, I did not even look at what yesterday's comments were So please Don't let the devil use you to block people from seeing what the pastor is preaching Keep your comments for after Put a like, we know you're on site Put a like, put watching, we know you're following us But do you start to write a sermon, then I'll just let you stream and I'll sit. So, before you stream an ice cream, let's work together and let the gospel go forward. And you've got a lot of knowledge, praise God for you. But guess what? I am preaching the word of God and your knowledge should be put in a little bottle until I'm done. So may God bless us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for another day in your house we thank you father for this opportunity you've given to us one more time that we can remember a woman that has lived a good life and yet at the same time father maintain her integrity over the years we thank you for the work you've done in her life and help it to be an example to all the ministers wives that one day their husband might die and they would have to let god finish the work in their life as they continue let the people and the congregations that we pastor have greater respect for a pastor's wife. We pray that this word we heard today about cleansing would take effect in our lives and accomplish its work. Bless us today, Father. Let not your word return unto the void, but accomplish its purpose and plan in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. God bless you.